So 2023, oof. This was the year that I walked through Auschwitz-Birkenau, Treblinka, Majdanek in Poland, and Kibbutz Kfar Aza in Israel. And I wore the same pair of shoes on both trips. They're Vessies. Jeff Gertner told me to buy them. And I'm going to keep them in this bag, which apparently is from United. And I'm just going to put them on a high shelf. Not that I can ever forget what I saw in April or what I saw on Tuesday, but I still want to keep these shoes as a reminder. Because these shoes, they walked through Gate Salmavet. They walked in the valleys of the deepest darkness where death occurred 80 years ago and just about 80 days ago because people were Jews, just like you and me. On the March of the Living, I went to bear witness in Poland and be a source of spiritual support for the participants and the staff and the survivors. This week, I went to Israel to be a source of support to Israelis, my colleagues, and to bear witness. My main goal was La Geshet, to come close to the places that continue to impact our people. I learned from Joseph, from Yosef, who we read about just now, Velo Yachol Lehitapek. He couldn't restrain or hold it in anymore. I felt like if I didn't get to Israel and see her now with my own eyes, and hold people's hands as they shared stories and fears that I would burst. And so I went for 66 hours to hug, to listen, to see, to mourn, and to make sure people knew that they were not alone. Now I'm purposely not going to share now what I saw at Kibbutz Kfar Aza. There are children in the room. I'm just not, it's not fair. Um, but know that Alon Futterman, who is currently the director of the Kfar Aza Foundation, he told us that on October 6th, this Kibbutz Kfar Aza was 95% heaven and 5% hell. And October 7th, it became 100% hell. If you want to see any of the photographs and videos that I took, I will gladly show them to you because we spent over two hours there and I will never be the same. Period. Sof pasuk. I am going to share three things that I saw or that I witnessed. We heard from a survivor of the Nova Music Festival his name is Amit Musai, and Amit is a tour guide. He has a wife. He has three little girls. They live in Cholon, near Tel Aviv. And Amit is a huge fan of psychedelic trance music, and he's been following it for 20 years. The festival was 120 kilometers away from his home in a JNF forest 
in the Gaza envelope, just a few kilometers away from the border. Amit drove to the festival in his own car with four-wheel drive, which is actually a very important detail, with three of his friends. And while Amit was much older than most of the people at the festival, he really didn't care because he loved the music. And I guess everything that went with the music. <laughs> One thing that he had going for him, which probably saved his life, is that he knew exactly where on a map the festival was situated. He knew how close to Gaza they actually were. He knew the terrain, because he'd taken tourists and groups there in the past many times. So Amit and his friends, they arrived at 1.30 in the morning. They set up a campsite, and they just started to dance for hours. He was looking forward to meeting up with his best friend Adir and Adir's wife Shiraz and a friend of theirs who was supposed to be meeting up with them. At approximately 6.25 in the morning on October 7th, Amit started taking video because he wanted to capture the sunrise. We watched this video. Midway into it, the music stopped. And we literally were privy to being at the music festival at the start of the massacre. And we heard Milchama and Azza, 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 which is translated as war and Gaza, Gaza, Gaza. And in the video, we saw the clouds in the sky, which weren't clouds, but they were the explosions from Iron Dome. And we heard spread out, and we heard lie on the ground, which is what you're supposed to do when there are normal rockets. And we also heard Amit attempt to convince a very high young woman to get down, but she was doing her own thing. And then we heard the production team get on a speaker and tell the people to run. The video ends at 6.31 a.m on October 7th. Running with everyone else who was there, Amit and his friends got to the campsite and they found the car, which was a miracle because it was dark when Amit arrived and somehow he had the foresight to know to park under a tree. So he was able to look for the tree and then find his car. And Amit's car wouldn't stop, or was sorry, wouldn't start because the battery on the clicker was dead. Has that ever happened to anyone? You're going like, Ugh! and so he's fighting with it, and he's not typical state like you and I are right now. And he somehow was able to take the key that's embedded inside in those the clicker thing. Do you guys know there's actually a key in there? But it ended up taking 10 minutes until the car would start. It's now 6:59 a.m. on October 7th. And everyone was trying to leave their cars, and there's this huge traffic jam. Earlier, I mentioned that Amit's car had four-wheel drive. And so Amit was able to off-road and drive on the curbs and drive on the shoulder and get out ahead of most people. By now, alarms had started all over the country, especially in Tel Aviv, where his family was, in Cholon. And he was able to call his wife. He spoke to his wife and the kids. And they were hiding in a staircase, because they didn't have a good mamad. They didn't have a good safe room. They were in an old building, 40 years old. 
At 7.32 a.m., he arrived at Somet Urim, an intersection that had both a gas station and an aroma. And so they ran towards the aroma, and they heard, duck, there's a terrorist there. And they heard machine guns, and the building was shot at, but they hid there until 8.49 a.m. Now, Amit was found at this point, and he was directed to safety by a group of off-duty Bedouin IDF soldiers. Bedouin IDF soldiers. And for Amit, this remains a reminder that we Jews are not alone. Then they were told to go to Tse'ilim, which is about 10 kilometers away, and he off-roaded again to get there, and he remained there until 3.10 p.m. with other survivors. Later, he learned that his friends, Adir and Shiraz Tamam and Selim, the Hamas terrorists got to them while hiding in a bus shelter. Adir and Shiraz leave behind two little girls, and their aunts and uncles are actually fighting over who should be their legal guardians. And if you want to learn more about Amit, or virtually bring Amit to speak to any group you are a part of, just Google Amit Israel Tours. It'll take you to his Facebook page. And donate donations to those orphaned little girls are requested. And he told us that by sharing his story, that's his therapy. Sharing his story is his therapy. Story number two is the underlying message that every single person or group shared with us, and we did not meet with any governmental group, and that is that civil society is providing for each other, not the government. My colleague, Rabbi Vernon Kurtz, who grew up around the corner, made Aliyah a few years back, and he shared that his wife, Bryna, had spent each week since the war doing laundry for displaced people, displaced families who are temporarily living in the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem. And she does this completely on a volunteer basis. She picks it up, she washes it, she folds it, and then she returns it twice a week. Bryna also got involved in Bubby's Bakings, where she bakes for soldiers. She was told that if you put your phone number on the box, then you'll get a call. She did it once, and guess what? A soldier called her and said, Toda Rabbah. Kulanu Achim, which has re been rebranded as Achim Laneshek, is a central distribution site for the displaced families and for soldiers. We visited the main depot in the parking lot of the Tel Aviv Expo. Most of my colleagues brought these massive duffels of supplies to donate. And while we were there, we watched as the full bags that my colleagues brought were opened and then immediately cataloged to be sorted and put on shelves. While we were there, we heard about the important work that they're doing supporting all of the impacted civilians in addition to soldiers. But for me, the hardest thing to see there was the row of size two to four little kid winter coats. Think about it. It gets cold in the south and in the north at night in the wintertime in Israel. 
Why would parents think to evacuate with those on October 7th? In the Haftarah, Yaakov just read the words, Ve'asiti otam legoy echad ba'aretz, beharei Israel, umelech echad iye lechulam, lemelech, velo od l'shnei goyim, velo yechatsu od l'shtei mamlachot od. I will make them a single nation on the land, on the hills of Israel, and one king shall be king of them all. Never again shall they be two nations, and never again shall they be divided into two kingdoms. Now take the king thing out of the equation, but that's how the overwhelming majority of Israeli civil society is feeling right now. Goy echad ba'aretz, a single nation in the land. People are helping other people. And now for story number three. Seeing all of the bring them home and kidnap signs in Israel is just that much more intense. You feel it in your gut. And maybe it's because chances are people in Israel are one or two degrees of separation from the faces on those signs. They are cousins, they are classmates, they are friends, and they are grandsons. On Wednesday night, we participated in a prayer and song circle led by the Masorti movement. You might have seen the video on our social media channels. While we were there, a woman named Varda, who is the Safta, the grandmother of Idan Alexander, joined our circle. And holding the kidnap sign of her own grandson, she shared his story. Idan Alexander, 19, of the Golani Brigade's 51st Battalion, was stationed near the Gaza Strip on the morning of October 7th when he was taken captive by Hamas terrorists. Idan joined the IDF as a lone soldier after graduating from high school in 2022. When all of his friends went away to college, he made Aliyah to be a lone soldier because he loved Israel. On the morning of October 7th, he spoke to his mother who was visiting Israel at the time. She called when the rockets began falling that morning and Idan told her he was safe just after 6.30 a.m. A week later, the family was informed that Idan was taken hostage to Gaza. The stories of the hostages are un imaginably painful. But hidden in this difficult story is the story of the hostages' headquarters. In Tel Aviv, it is an entirely volunteer-run, six-story building that is lent free of charge. And inside this building are hundreds of volunteers who are selling merchandise like this, and preparing food, and arranging for housing, and support for the families of hostages. And there is a core of retired ambassadors and diplomats who are now civilians, who are leading the media team because they love the country and they speak a heck of a lot of languages. And they are all just Israelis showing up for those in need. 
And they are modeling for us what we all need to continue to do. The Parsha is called Vayigash. We read that Yehuda came close Vayigash to Yosef. And Vayigash doesn't mean just to stand next to. It means to come close with purpose. It was also used when Avraham pled with God back in chapter 18. Avraham came forward and said, will you sweep away the innocent along with the guilty? Vayigash Avraham vayomar ha'af tisped tzadik im rasha. Now citing a few other examples, Rashi says that the word vayigash is mostly used in the sense of coming near to wage war. And my colleagues and I did the act of vayigash this week for 66 hours. It's not that we came to wage war exactly, but we came to Israel to become eyewitnesses to those that say October 7th never happened, to those who dismiss the plight of the hostages, to those who dismiss the plight of the women, and to those who say that Israelis are evil. If I have enough in me, I am going to double down and do more on my support of Israel and her right to defend herself. And I'm asking you to join me because people get fatigued. Winter vacation has started. But don't drop the issue because it is an existential issue and it is core to who we are as a people. As Lara said last week from this bima, we are amechad im lev echad. We are one people with one heart, and we must continue to support Israel however we can, whether it be safely visiting and volunteering, or posting on social media, or with our checkbooks to individual causes and communities, or to UJA. And we must get as many people in each and every network that we belong to ask them to advocate for the hostage release and get them to do the same. Because there can be no ceasefire without bringing our brothers and sisters home. This morning, a lot of people have asked, how are you doing? How are you managing? How are you putting it all together? Well, if the weather permits, I'm just going to take time for long walks. But you can be sure. I'm going to wear a different pair of shoes. Shabbat shalom.